Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to another very, very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Each week I say I'm excited about my guest, and this <laughs> week is, uh, is really no different. I connected with this man's work back, I think, is in 2000, 2001, dead broke, uh, just broke up with my girlfriend at the time, uh, sleeping in a tiny, uh, tiny apartment and meditating five, six hours a day. And for probably two to three hours a day, I would put on his music, his, his albums, Breath of Heart, Pilgrim Heart, and chant to his voice, his kirtan and there were times when I would weep with tears of release and healing. And, you know, sometimes it was a purification of the heartbreak I was going through. There were sometimes I just felt the presence of God so deeply in my heart and body that it was just ecstatic. And so I'm not going to say too much else other than I feel like he's been with me uh, through many intense moments. And I'm very excited. You probably know who he is. They call him a yoga's rock star. Uh, yeah. His heart is beautiful. Das, welcome to Soul Talk. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Good to be here, man. Uh, I'm curious how you, especially for those that may not know, how you, how you got into Kirtan. You know, it's not like growing up, Kirtan was not, <laughs> not the thing you hear in school, like I want to be a Kirtan singer. Yeah, and, no, the, uh, my, my guidance counselor in high school didn't have Kirtan Walla in her uh, repertoire. <laughs> Uh, well, <clears throat> that happened. I went. Well, I went to India to meet my guru. Uh, I had met Ramdas here in America after his first trip to India, oh. and I had heard about the old man in the blanket. And after a year and a half of cruising around with Ramdas, I wanted to go meet the old man. So I went over there, and I was. We were staying in this incredible, beautiful town up in the hills. Up on the around this crater lake, way up in the in the foothills of the Himalayas, and one night I was just walking around the lake at night, mm -hmm. and I was walking by this temple, and I heard this chanting come from from inside, and I I I was I stopped I was paralyzed I could not move, I just was entranced by this mm -hmm. sound. And I was just standing there, you know, like, and some guy was walking into the temple, an Indian guy, and he looked at me, he said, oh, come, you must come inside. He grabs me and he pulls me in, you know, and I'm sitting there with all these guys in the temple and they're just wailing. And I never heard anything like it. They were just completely into it, man. It was, it was so great. 
I didn't know what they were chanting. They could have been chanting blah, 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 blah. But the way it felt was so amazing. Yeah. And I just, a light went on in my head and I just said, I can, this, I, I can do this. This mm. is something I can do. Because, you know, I, I was always trying to search for a way to really, to kind of really get into what I was doing, really kind of be where I was, you know? And there was always so much neurotic shit going on in my head that holding me back from really getting into stuff, you know? But when I heard that chanting, it was like all the lights went on. I just said, yes, I, this, I can do this. This, will, this is a way I can really enter into this deep, deep place. And, and it turned out it was right. <laughs> <laughs> and did you just stop? You just began? I just, anytime I heard chanting going on anywhere, I just went and sat there. I mean, I was just soaking it up. And you understand, when I left America in August 1970, wow. I never had any idea of coming back. I was going to India. I was never coming back. Wow. I gave everything away. I, I sold my jeans. I gave my jeans away. I sold my guitar, my car. Wow. I gave my record collection away. Everything I had, I was going. You were going to live. That was I it. was going. I was going to be gone. That's all I knew is I wanted to be gone. Now, for me, that at, at that time, that meant being out of the States in India. And I don't know why I felt that strongly about it, but I did. So it wasn't collecting stuff for the future. I was trying to find a life-giving connection that I needed, you know. I, I was trying to find that, that uh, whatever. I needed to find a way to really be in this world in a good way. And, and chanting, I just knew it in my heart intuitively. This was, this was it for me. Were you going through some some challenging times prior to that that drove you there? Was there some pain? Was there some... There was nothing but pain. Mm. You know, on the outside, to some degree, you know, growing up, I looked like I was okay. But that was just what was facing out. On the inside, I was a disaster. You know, wow. I, there was a big hole <clears throat> in my heart, mm. a big hole in my heart, and I, I had no idea what could ever fill that it was like a big dark space that that was crying out to be full, filled and and I, there was nothing in my life that could do it you know uh, everything was you know i mean it was essentially my own state of mind that was so neurotic and so self-destructive etc cetera, etc cetera, and so depressed that it just wasn't going to happen mm. so i was really desperate to find something real you know and lasting so you started chanting whenever you could and how does how does that go from like okay i'm chanting hanging out chanting to doing kirtans yourself and then evolving into you know like when i saw you the last time which was quite a while back i mean it was like Four, three thousand people in the two thousand people in the in, in the room, and that's not like yeah. kirtan. And you think ah, oh, ten people hanging out in a, in, a li in a living room, you know? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so well, that's how the did way that, it started. How, yeah. how did that evolve? I don't know. You know pe <laughs> people ask me all the time that question. I mean, people <clears throat> say like, "I want to share my chanting with the universe." I said, 
are you okay? Is there something wrong? You got a fever? You know, what's wrong with you? You know, because I don't want to do that. I have to do it. There's a difference. I'm up to here in the water, man. You know, and if I chant, I stay just right here. I can breathe. If I don't chant, I sink. So this is what keeps me alive. This is, I'm doing this to save myself. Mm. And it, it just so happens that we all want to save ourselves. And so when I share the practice with people, everybody, many people really get that feeling that this, this is, this, okay, I can do this. And when I do do this, I feel a certain way. And I like that feeling. I want that feeling. I want more of that. And so people, you know, are attracted to it. But I don't know how it happened. I mean, I know how it happened, but nobody believes me. My guru did it all, period. He created the whole show, you know? I'm just one of the puppets on the stage. I have no idea what's going on. I'm singing to save my ass, and he's bringing the people. Wow. You know, that's, what can I do? That's the truth. Everybody (laughs) says, oh, you're so humble. And I say, I know me. You don't. (laughs) So. You know, it's interesting. Even now, you're like, when you say you're chanting for yourself, to save yourself, for your own sanity, is that you still feel that way now? More than before. Because, because as time has gone on, and to say it in a very strange and funny, simple way, life has gotten more real. Mm. In other words, now after 50 years of doing this, wow, I'm beginning to see and to experience, wow, there really, there's deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper openings can keep happening. And you become more and more a, a, a good human being and less and less involved all day long with me, 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 and, and more and more open and, and you have like an inner strength, a, a different way of dealing, of being with your own shit, you know, a different way of, of being with the stuff that comes up in you. And there's always stuff coming up, right? So, but how we live with that, how we deal with it, how it moves through us is, is it makes the way the day is, you know? So, but as this has become more real, as the chanting has gotten deeper and, and, and less filled with me and more filled with just the chanting, it's like, it's, it's, you can always go deeper. And, and the thing about the chanting is, you know how we chant, you sing, and when you notice that you're not paying attention, you sing, you know, you keep coming back and letting go. So you, you reach a point where you, know, you start to really recognize that you can always let go, mm. no matter what's got you, <clears throat> no matter how deep the depression is, no matter, dark, no matter how dark the feelings are, and how intense they are, you always have the option of letting go. Mm-hmm. It may not be easy, and the stuff might stick to you as you try to let go, but as you get more familiar with coming back again and again and again and again, the stuff goes through mm-hmm. more easily. It doesn't, the glue that holds you mm-hmm. to all your shit and your thoughts and your emotions, it starts to thin out. And then you really get more of a vote 
as to how you go through your day. And it's really amazing how, and how you feel about yourself and others too. All from doing this simple little practice. It's quite extraordinary. Just got me thinking because, you know, I've, I've seen or experienced a few kirtan singers over the years. I mean, they're all great in their own way. But just something about when I would experience your, your kirtan, experience live in an album. I, I think there's people that just sing maybe because they're singing, you know, like, like a performance. And it's, and it's a vocal, like, I'm, I'm, I'm performing. But I think there's that, that emotional, like, rawness of singing to save myself, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and I think it comes from a place that, that, at least for me, when I would chant with you, it, it would trigger such, uh, it would trigger a lot of emotion. Yeah, yeah. That, that other kirtan sounded amazing, but it never really, stirred something and so yeah yeah there's a lot of stuff that we carry with us you know every betrayal every trauma every time our hearts have been broken mm. Mm. it's hard to let go of that stuff it's you can't do it directly it's not like a button you can push mm -hmm. but through the power of the chanting we we're, we're reminding ourselves again and again to keep to to listen to the chant and when we're listening to the chant that we're doing that we're singing also mm -hmm. we're not obsessing about the stuff just for a billionth of a second and then we go back to obsessing okay fine then you notice you're doing that and you remember that you're actually in a room with a couple of thousand people and you're not alone at home, you know, okay. And you haven't been hurt, you haven't heard anything. You've been obsessed but with your thoughts and you haven't been even hearing your own voice chanting. And you go, oh, wow. And so you come back. Every time you come back, they've proven that there are neural pathways in the brain that are trans transformed little by little and deepened that that movement back into one's being oneself it, it gets easier and easier and you get more and more familiar that that ha that continues to go through the whole day it's not just when you're singing mm. because the the seeds that you plant when you're chanting they continue to grow through the days when even when you think you're not paying attention and they and they change the way you relate to what comes into your head and into your heart. So, mm. my, my, you know, my guru used to say something over and over to us in Hindi. It goes, Ram Nam Karne Se Sapura Ho Jatahe. From going on repeating these names, because what, what we chant, you know, they call the names of God, whatever that means. Let's put that aside for now. Mm -hmm. Someday maybe I'll understand. From going on doing that, everything is accomplished. Mm. everything is accomplished everything is made full and complete and you know what that means that's a different thing for everybody that would be a different storyline you have one storyline i have another storyline another person that doesn't matter within each person's little universe through the repetition of the name everything is accomplished everything is attained 
And he said that over and over. And and um, one of these days, maybe I'll really believe him. You know, <laughs> finally, right? <laughs> maybe another few thousand years. Yeah. How do you? Uh, how have you managed to stay humble? throughout this whole trip <laughs> you know here you are right mm-hmm. 10 people in the kirtan then then i don't know how how many years later but 50 then 100 then 200 then will you know wilshire ebel wilton theater yeah. and you know a decade or two of that i mean and beautiful women i'm sure throwing themselves at you and people telling you you're amazing and like you know it, we're all human beings with, with, with egos. And so how have you managed to stay humble? Grounded, well, sane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate the, 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 the question, actually. Um, and uh, all I can say is that, like my, my Indian father, not, not Maharaji, but Mr. Tawari, who was my great teacher and my great, uh, great teacher, he used to say, Maharaji kept my head cool. He kept me cool. All I can say is that it's really the, the grace of Maharaji that's kept me somewhat straight. But the reality is, who am I kidding? If I'm singing, I'm singing. And if someone has an experience, right? A good experience. Uh, did I do that? No, I can't, you know, I can't piss in the toilet bowl. I get it all over the floor. Do you think I can give somebody an experience? No, I can't. I know I can't do anything like that. So it's no question of humble. It's just a question of reality. I know what Maharaji can do. I've been with him. And I'm in my heart, I'm still with him, even though he's not in the body. He's Mm. still present with me. And he can do anything and continues to do for me and for others and to change lives and open hearts and, and, and remove suffering, it would be stupid for me to take it personally. I mean, just really stupid because it's not entertainment. I'm sharing the spiritual practice that I do to save myself with other people. And I understand that everybody gets something from it, including me. So it's not... And, you know, when I had the epiphany about you know, I didn't really start singing with people for over 20 years after he died. Mm. I was really in bad shape for a long time after he left the body. Wow. Very bad. And then one day I walked from one room to the other and I was hit with a thunderbolt and I understood that out of the blue, if I did not chant with people, and it was with people, I would never be able to clean out the dark corners in my own heart. shadows that were pushing me around that I couldn't see, but that were really doing me in. And it was understood that that was the only thing uh, causing me suffering were my own shadows, my own stuff, and that this was the only thing I could do, the only way I had to change that situation. So that's when I started singing with people. Wow. I, I don't know how 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 much in depth you want to go, but you know, I did. After about nine months of singing with people, I quit. You quit. 
I quit. Why? Just because of just what you asked. I saw that I could not do this the right way. Mm. All those things you mentioned, the fame, the people coming up, all the, all the adoration, all the juice coming towards me from the outside. I was a hungry guy, man. I was mm. hungry. Mm. And when you're hungry, you're going to eat. There's just no two ways about it, right? Mm. But that's not why I did this. That's not why I started chanting with people. I started chanting with people to, to, to find Maharaji's hand again. Mm. You know, he would say over and over, once I take a hold of your hand, I never let go. Mm. Even when you let go of mine, not if. Even when you let go of my hand, I never let go of yours. So I knew he was there, but I had lost that feeling. And I knew that the chanting was the only way I could find that place again. And now I could see very clearly that I was going to screw it up and that I, I was not capable of doing it the right way. Mm-hmm. I, it was, and I, so I quit. And I went to India. And every day, I would talk to Maharaji. And I would say, you have to fix this. This is your problem. I'm singing to people in your name. So you have to fix this. There's nothing I can do about it. You don't fix. I don't sing. That's the deal. Good night. You know, it was like that. And I wake up in the morning, and nothing had happened. <laughs> and every day it was like that for almost, for three months, every wow. day. Wow. And I was, I was really in terrible despair, because here was the only thing I could do to save my ass, wow. and I was being prevented from doing it by me. Mm. How do you deal with that? You, there's no way you can go where you're not. Mm. It was something that was beyond me. I could not fix this myself. And so I was saying to him, you have to fix this. And he did. That's make a very long story very short. He fixed it. Wait, 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 wait. And... <laughs> <laughs> you got me in the cliffhanger. How did he fix Hold it? Up. What happened? It was a moment. It was... <laughs> well, it's a, it's a long story. But well, I, I, without trying to give myself yeah. a plug, I want to yeah. tell you, I wrote all about it in my book, Chance of a Lifetime. Okay which is now, by the way, an audio book as well. So if you want to get the whole story in great detail, it's in there. But to give you a a shortened version of it, um, I had an experience uh, just before I was getting ready to come back to America. It was three months was almost up and I was going to come back. I was living in the temple up in the mountains. And uh, Siddhima was there. Siddhima was Maharaji's great, great, great devotee, great disciple. And she took care of all of us for so many years after he left the body. Mm. So I was living in the temple there, and I was chanting every day. But I knew there was this, like a knife in my heart that I just could not, I I couldn't remove it. it. there was some pain in my heart that was so deep. And um, so I, 
So there's a big celebration on the 15th of June every year, which celebrates the opening of the of the Hanuman Temple there, the original opening. And uh, on that day, uh, I had a very deep experience where I felt as if the curtain had parted and opened, and I. I saw, I really saw things clearly. I saw things as they are. And I don't want to get too, too uh, mystical or anything, but let's put it this way. At one point, I was looking up in the sky. I was feeling extraordinary peace. Peace is not something I'm well accustomed with. You know, it's like <laughs> not my thing, you know, but I was really in this extraordinarily deep space and. Mm. It was just everywhere was this beautiful silence and peace and openness and vast, vast presence and being, oh. And then I looked up in the sky and I saw this, somewhere up in the sky there was like this like thickening of the atmosphere, like something going around, around, around. And I laughed and I said, that's Krishna Dasness. And what it was, was like billions of thoughts going around and around and around. And I, I saw that when I think I'm Krishnadas, I act like Krishnadas. I, I, that's who I think I'm Krishnadas. I'm Krishnadas. But when I, when I don't think that, there's only this vast presence, this extraordinary love, this peace, this openness. So I saw that even when I think I'm Krishnadas, it doesn't affect this incredible space. Mm. It's like, does a cloud destroy the sky? No, it just passes through. And so that experience freed me to come back and really sing because I saw it isn't about me even when I think it is. Even when I'm stupid. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change this place, right? So that was really, that was one part of this experience that was just, it, it freed me to come back and sing, really sing, 100%. It was because, and even when somebody comes up to me and all this energy is coming towards me, they may think it's me. That's their problem. I don't care what they think. It, that's fine. Hi, thank you. Okay, yeah, great. Thank you. Okay, you know, it. Mm. You when you know, mm. when you really see something, mm. you can. It's very hard to forget it, you know, yes. when, especially when it's such a deep thing. It really just changes your, the way you kind of sit in yourself, and the way you go through the day, the way you walk. It just, it alters it. It's not something you have to do. It's mm. the result of seeing something very clearly, you know. So that's that's uh, one part of it. That's a big part of it, and so, Huge. yeah, I was able to come back and really sing, and that's he did it. He he saved me, you know. I mean, mm. without that, I don't know what would have happened to me because I I really I was the problem, and how do you fix it when you are the problem? You know, everything you try to do to fix the problem or work is more you. Yeah. And you are the problem. So you have to kind of 
find a way to kind of relax yourself out of that little mold that we get stuck in, you know? You get so stuck and identified yeah. with this, this idea of what we are, which just creates that separation. And it's, you know, there's nothing, it's not like it's bad, it's natural to have those, but that doesn't mean it's real. Mm. Like one of the teachers, one of these lamas used to say to me, what did he say? Uh, something like maybe it's like it's real, but it's not true. You know, I mean, it seems real, but is it really true? Is this who we are? You know, are we really just this whatever we think we are? It's interesting, huh? You know, so what if what if someone listening in, they're like, well, it's great for you. They probably just tuned off already with all this bullshit. You know? that's been no, I, this, is, I love, <laughs> this is beautiful stuff. But they're like, great for you. You have a guru. You, have, you know, you have the guru who did who the grace of the guru helped. They're like, I don't have a guru. No one's come yeah. to me. I have no connection with it, with anyone. I'm just dealing with my own shit. And yeah. so, how? What do they do? Are they do they need to go find a guru? But maybe they yeah. they tried, but they don't connect to anyone. How, how do they kind of surrender and move beyond themselves? You know, there's a lot of ways to talk about that. But <clears throat> first of all, you deal with what you, what you what you can deal with. Mm. So, what do we have to deal with? our minds and emotions, right? Mm. Where is our suffering come from? Our thoughts and our emotions and, our, and the stories we tell ourselves mm. about ourselves all life long that we believe uh, so much unconsciously, but we, we just believe so much about ourselves that may or may not be true. So you start where you are. Now, when you start to talk about gurus, it gets, the West doesn't understand gurus. Right. In the East, they say Guru, God, and capital S, Self, are not different. Mm. That means who I really am is not different than the divine, not different than, than the Guru. But I don't know who I really am. And the Guru is not outside. He's not somebody else. The reason a Guru is a Guru is because they've experience oneness with you and the whole universe. So they're not separate from us. They're not outside of us. You know, because we identify with our bodies and our thoughts and our emotions, there's an inside and an outside. There's me and you. Those are two different things. Not for your true self and not for a guru and certainly not for the divine. There's only one and we're all part of that. So there's no sense waiting around for somebody to come bop you on the head and make everything all right. That's not going to happen, probably. And uh, what we do is we recognize that we're we're not that we are suffering, and then we recognize that the suffering is coming from the things we believe about ourselves, and the 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 programmed reactions that we have to things that happen to us and our thoughts and emotions. And then we, we begin to try to find a way to unravel those knots in our hearts. And that's why we do spiritual practice. That's what chanting is for. That's what other types of meditation are for. That's what asana could be about if it was presented the right way. Uh, all that stuff and yoga and all that, this is all about overcoming 
the 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 delusions that we have about ourselves so guru is not outside and if you decide to wait to find something outside of yourself that's just another way that we hurt ourselves it's just another storyline and it, it's it's the wrong understanding of things so you start now where you are sit right down be comfortable and look at the way your mind screws you up you know it's not hard to see. Mm-hmm. So you start to do something, you start to count your breaths or watch your breath go in and out or repeat some mantra or uh, move consciously or this kind of, try to find some way to calm your ass down regardless of what's going on in your head, you know? And that's, that's what we can do. From that, everything else can happen, you know? One has to use one's will to align oneself with that flow that's going on inside of us all the time, this flow of reality, this flow of grace, this flow of love that is present, but un- it's very much covered over. So. You know, um, the world is going through some intense times, as, as, as we all know, and 2020, pandemic, COVID, a lot of Things we had expected last year really weren't. And I'm just thinking, I'm curious in your life, you know, you're doing these kirtans, events, live events, and a tour as a, as a singer, a kirtan offering. I'm wondering how it's been for you, how you've dealt, how you've dealt with that. Because it's been challenging for a lot of us who do events, unable to do events. And so how has that been? I mean, I'm I'm sure I'm assuming it's been challenging and I'm wondering how you have dealt with that, made peace with that, moving through that. Well, a funny thing is that once I start to sing, whether there's two people there or 10,000 people there, (laughs) my eyes close and that's it for two hours or whatever. Um, and obviously I'm participating in the vibration of all the people but I'm not singing to people Mm. I'm singing to that inner presence in everyone you know and in myself so when traveling became impossible we we started to do uh, every Thursday night chanting online Mm. And it took it took a little while to get comfortable with the technology, and you know, to, you know, so it didn't distract from the from the practice, doing the practice. But now, you know, Sam, I close my eyes to sing. It doesn't matter who's there, who's not there. Mm. And not that I don't enjoy hearing people sing, I do. But the practice is being present with whatever is there, not wishing it was some other way. So once you start to do the practice, every thought you have, every judgment you have, every evaluation you have, oh, I wish there were people here, you just let go and come back to the sound of the chant. And since I've been doing this for a few years, I there's some little bit of ability to keep coming back, you know, and not staying gone for so long. And so for me, it's not that different, really. And I feel very blessed and very lucky 
that I'm able to keep chanting on Thursdays with people. And just because it's so, I need to do that. That's, that's the deal. That's what Maharaji let me know. If I don't sing with people, mm. you know? Mm. So even though it's just me with a bunch of technology, mm. through the, it's still with people. It's just not with physical people. So yeah. oh. it works for me. Um, yeah. And uh, it's a bit, you know, I know it's challenging mm. for people because if one has not spent much time recognizing the way your mind eats eats you up alive all the time in this atmosphere mm -hmm. it becomes very apparent and very painful because where are you going to go yes. you know where your mind isn't going to be with you you know so yeah. it also makes practice in some strange way uh not easier but more but a little more apparent what's what you're dealing with you know, it's like you can come to an evening of chanting and there's people around and you're having a good time and you're feeling good and then you go home, you know. But now there's you're not going anywhere during, before or after the kirtans. You're just there. And so in some sense, it makes it really intense. Yeah. You become intensely aware of we're always getting eaten up by our stuff. Right. right. And it's not just in those moments when we sing that we notice we start to notice all the time and and that that could conceivably uh impress upon us the importance of doing some practice mm. you don't plant seeds nothing is going to grow mm. it's very simple mm. if we're just if we're just constantly allowing ourselves to be wiped out by everything day after day after day after day and we don't plant the seeds of coming home to our hearts, to our this moment, you know, doing some practice. What can we expect? Mm. Not much. So it's not easy to sit yeah. down and face your mind, but at some point you recognize, well, I gotta do this. And you, you finally do get it a little bit together as time goes on. Um, I'm curious about like when you've been in different audiences, for example, and I'm sure each audience is different, maybe has their own frequency, vibration, flavor. Um, mm -hmm. What do you do if or when you face an audience that might be closed? And <laughs> I'm sure you might face a, a closed, a, a more closed audience, at least in the beginning. You know, yeah, where no, maybe it doesn't feel as open like as as a, another city, and if the audience feels closed or you know there's just not opening, and maybe there's some energetic resistance you're feeling from the audience, and there you are, you're beginning, and it's just something's not moving. I mean, yeah, yeah. Is there something you? <clears throat> is there a technique you know to like open <laughs> the audience? <laughs> yeah, right. How, yeah. No, there's what, no, what there's, do you there's do? no, yeah, there's no button do? to push to make everybody go away. You know, but it's a funny story. So once I was in Norway. And uh, in the middle of the room, there was this guy sitting. He had long hair, scraggly hair, and a long, scraggly beard. And he looked very gaunt. And his eyes were kind of, you know, intense. And he sat there unmoving for the, this whole workshop, like three hours. The guy sat there like this. Mm. And I thought, this guy's going to kill me. 
There's no way about this guy is going to kill me. I know I'm dead. At the end of this workshop, this guy's going to shoot me right through the heart with something. I know it. There's no possibility I'll live past another couple of hours. All the time I'm talking to people and I'm just trying not to look at this guy who's dead center, right? Right in front of me, like 15 feet in front of me. I'm like, you know. So then the workshop's over and people are lining up to say hello and thank me and everything. And I notice this guy standing in line. Ooh. And I'm saying, oh, my, 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 my. <laughs> saying, come on, don't kill me, don't kill me, don't kill me. <laughs> okay, if I have to die, let it be quick, let it be quick. And I'm smiling at other people. So finally, this guy comes up and he leans up really close, right? And he goes, this was great. The whole time I had this fantasy that this guy was going to kill me. And he was <laughs> he was like, this was great, you know? And he broke out in this big smile and threw his arms up in the air. And I said, thank you so much, you know? So my point being, who knows anything? My job is to sing. Yeah. My job is not to be evaluating open, closed, up, down, in and out, white, black, green, yellow, red, human, animal, insect, thing. Mm. And the strength that you get from committing over and over and over again to, to the chant and to being with it is what really, it's a deep inner strength that comes from that, mm. that frees you from your own stuff, right? Mm. I mean, the way you ask that question, is perfectly reasonable, but that's not my job. My job description is sing. Love it. My job description is not evaluate the group and sing to what you think they would like. My job is to sing. Mm. And nobody tells me what to sing, so I sing what I like. You know, what else <laughs> could I sing? So it's one of those ways that 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 practice frees us from our subjective projections. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, just think about it. you walk into mm -hmm. a party, right? And there's all these fancy people at the party, and you feel like, oh, Jesus, you know, I don't fit in here, you know, and you just, you're trying to like hide in the corner, you know? And then somebody comes up and says, are you, uh, wow, nice to meet you. And you go, ah, yeah. So you've had all this projection that was hurting you. Mm -hmm. Was it real? It looked real, but was it true? No. So practice. The spiritual path frees us from those projections, which is our own stuff eating us alive again and again every day. Because when it's happening, you can't pull the plug on it when it's happening so easily. But it's the, the, the gradual, regular practice going on that trains you in a way under the radar it's not like i'm gonna do this no no it, it doesn't work like that i'm gonna free myself from projections what the fuck are you talking about you're a projection you know <laughs> how can you free yourself you know there was a great saint in in india named ramana maharshi one of the great saints that ever lived he said yeah he said asking the mind to kill the mind or the, the e ego to kill the ego is like asking the thief to be the policeman. <laughs> There'll be a lot of investigation, but no arrest will ever be made. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. I love it. I yeah. love it. Wow. 
<laughs> and, and in terms of like, I mean, I'm really feeling where you're coming from, but I, I'm, I'm curious what you would say if there'd be an, a, a difference. You know, here you are day in, day out, every night singing, yeah? Singing, chanting, singing, singing. Obviously, your, your, your practice, connecting with the divine. Um, but some of the chants you, you've sung, I'm, you know, I'm sure you've sung some of the chants <laughs> thousands of times. You know, so I'm the thinking, least, yeah. you know, okay, Hare Krishna. I mean, you just, yeah. and, and so how do you not get bored? You know, how do you keep it alive? Because you know, sometimes you see some sing singers, and obviously this is slightly different, and I've seen people in concert and they're just clearly phoning it in. They're just, yeah. they're phoning it in. How do you, within yourself, how do you keep it yeah. fresh and alive? Like, because every time I've seen you, it, it's felt, like you're singing it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Well, once again, that's what practice is. Mm. It's not, this is not entertainment. Uh, I've gotten used to people calling it concerts because in the West, what else are we gonna call it? But it's not a concert in the sense of me entertaining people. Um, once I start to chant, anything that comes as an object of my awareness, like the thought, this is just boring shit, this sucks tonight. It just becomes something to be let go of. That's all, and you come back to the chant. You, under normal circumstances, a person would believe that thought and really get stuck in it and go like, oh, this is fucked, I gotta get out of here, how long is this? So. You know, your, hus your, your husband or your wife dragged you there and now you're stuck with this for two hours with this idiot guy singing these things you can't understand. That's a thought. Good luck. You want to stay with it? No problem as far as I'm concerned. I'm coming back to the chant. Mm -hmm. So I don't take it personally because it's not personal mm -hmm. to me. Somebody doesn't like it or even when I get bored or I'm having a hell of a night with the electronics, if there's mm -hmm. feedback, I can't hear myself. The bass is too loud, the guitar is not, I can't, you know, so many things going on and I'll be suffering all night. And I'll look over at Arjun, the tabla player, and I, we'll just look at each other like, I can't believe we made it through this night. And then people will come up and say, this was the greatest night. Of, you know, what do I know? My job is just to sing, not to evaluate because I, once again, my job is to sing. It's not to make people happy either. Yeah, it's not, I'm not entertaining people. Mm. Tell me about that. Like you're, you're not here to make people happy. Like that's an interesting way to put it. Can like, you make anybody happy? You can give someone pleasure. Yeah. You can give someone pleasure and you can give someone pain in some situations. But happiness, mm. you can't give that because what we call happiness in this world means getting something pleasurable that we like to have or separating ourselves from something that is painful and now we feel relief and pleasure not having that painful feeling negative feeling that's not happiness that's pleasure or pain that's what they call part of the pairs of opposites pleasure pain fame shame loss gain and there's some more of them. So all this, when you're chanting, when you notice you're caught in it, you let go and come back. 
You don't write it down. You don't try to think of why did I believe that because that's just more thinking about that. And the more you chant, the more you do your practice, these kind of permutations become more obvious to us. You know, and, and we, ah, I'm back. But here's an interesting thing, okay? So you're chanting and maybe there's a thousand people there and everybody's really into it, right? And you're into it and then all of a sudden, you realize for the last 20 minutes, you've been thinking about uh, that new car you're going to go pick up tomorrow morning, right? And how much fun it's going to be to drive that car. And you're going to bring your girlfriend. You're going to put the top down. You're going to, you know, it's going to be great. And, you, and then you go, oh, I'm supposed to be chanting. And I forgot. <laughs> so then you come back, right? But let me, you were gone. You were in car land, right? You, you were gone. You didn't bring yourself back. You woke up. You were dreaming about car land. And all of a sudden, you noticed that. Right? It's not like, okay, now I'm going to wake up and notice I've been thinking about the car. No. You woke up for a second and you saw, you, re you recognize you've been gone. So at that point, you come back to the chant. But how did that moment happen that you woke up? Mm. You didn't do that. I didn't do that. Not me, not, you know, not me, me, me. I didn't do that. That happened as, as the result of your own work on yourself, mm. of the own many million times that you've come back from dreamland before mm. and planted a seed of coming back to the, in the chant. And the chant pulled you back. The power of the name, the magnetism, the magnetic force of the repetition of these mantras pulls us out of our stuff and brings us home to ourself. Mm. So the more we practice, the more magnetism, the more gravity gets stronger in our, our world. And when we're pulled out of our world by our stuff, it pulls us back. Mm. Otherwise, you're born, you go to school, you drink some beer, and you die. And that's it. You're not here for a minute. And that's not so unusual, man. It's not. If you look around, yeah. go to the supermarket one day, someday yeah. again, and yeah. look, nobody's there. It's like, yeah. you know? It's true. So it's all about waking up, mm. coming home to here, being here now, as the man said. But we can't do that. We, there's no button that we push to make that happen. We cultivate that by doing spiritual practice. Reli you know, not religious practice, but spiritual practice. Spiritual practice. And that brings us back from dreamland, where we mostly spend most of our time. Mm. Over the years, from, what you've, from your spiritual practice and just years of being on the planet and your experience with, with Maharaji, your guru, and um, chanting, would love to hear any thoughts of things you've observed that might be either pitfalls or misconceptions on the spiritual path. What might be some of the, the sort of pitfalls or, yeah. or misconceptions? There's a lot of misconceptions because it's the ego doing the conceptualizing. Right. Right. You know, which is means it's already screwed from the beginning. You know, 
But so, for instance, one day I was uh, in the temple. This is back in the old days with Maharaji, and I I took my bath in the afternoon because it was cold in the morning. So I used to wait till the afternoon. I put on some fresh, clean clothes, and I went to sit with him. He was out, and he was visiting with us Westerners and other people. And I was sitting there, and I almost laughed out loud because as I was sitting there, I saw that I was waiting for something to happen, mm -hmm. right? And what I was waiting for, I saw, was him to touch me on the head and for me to disappear, right? Mm -hmm. To not be there, right? And I laughed because I understood intuitively there will never be one second ever when we will not be here. My idea of enlightenment was somewhere else and where I wouldn't be. Why? Because I hated myself. And I could not be enlightened because I didn't deserve it. I had blah, 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 right? So my idea of enlightenment was programmed by those feelings. So my idea of enlightenment was someplace I would not be. And I saw there's no, no place I will not be ever. And that enlightenment is not somewhere else. Happiness, joy, peace is not somewhere else. It's here but it's covered up by our stuff. That's yeah. all. Yeah. That was huge, big. And so Westerners, not just Westerners now, but human beings imagine that mm. that, that, whatever you want to call it, is somewhere else and not here. Mm. And that's complete, absolute delusion. Mm. And that's the cause of all our suffering. And that's based on our own projections, which are based on the things we believe about ourselves, which on one part is our karmic programming, and another part it's the result of the stuff that's happened to us in this life. And that it's covered up, that basic sense of okayness that lives in there by itself, okay, all the time. But it's covered up. And practice uncovers that. It, un it, it unburies it. It brings it, it just shovels the, the shit off the top of it and finally reveals it to us. And it's not new. We know yeah. what it is. We all know what it is. We all know it is what we, what we want. We don't know what to call it. We might be calling it different things, but if we examine the feeling that we think it's going to be when we get it, it's the same in everybody. Whether it's, whether it's from a, a new car or a good relationship or a drug or a, a, a good sleep or a good television show, the feeling we, we're getting, regardless of what mm. it looks like, the feeling is the same. Mm -hmm. And that feeling is already there within us. It's our true nature as we are already. 
mm-hmm. which is the which is the place that these names that we chant are the names of that place inside of us. So by the repetition of the name, we move ourselves more deeply into our true nature. And and that's who we are already. We just forgot where to look. That's all. We're reminding ourselves, remembering. Or so they say. I love it. I love it. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Look, I want to be respectful of your time. I mean, I'm just loving the conversation. Cool. No problem. So much. No problem. So as much. long as I have a little coffee to drink, we're good. <laughs> so much. Uh, final question or two. Um, before I ask you the final question, is there a favorite or, or most impactful moment or memory you have with your guru? I'm sure there's many, but is there one that, or a story that you feel would would serve those listening that you remember that was a, maybe where your guru taught you something or, you know, there was something he did that he, I'm sure he was always teaching you, but there was like a moment where he said or did something that just stuck with you. And I would love to have met him. I mean, I've heard of so many amazing things. Have you read the books about him? I've read some of them. Yeah. Yeah. There's I've some been, great books now. Have you read love everyone? No, I, I will check uh, that out. By Parvati Marcus, M-A-R-K-U-S. I will check it out. And there's another one called Sometimes Brilliant Mm. by Larry Brilliant, who was the head of the Google Foundation for a while, and now he's one of the leading epidemiologists in the world. Oh, wow. And he, Maharaji sent him to eradicate smallpox in India back in those, and they did. They eradicated smallpox from the earth. Wow. And he tells the whole story, and it's a great book. Wow. And that, and there's another book available only on my website for free as a download, and it's called Divine Reality. Mm. So there's a link on the website to download. It's an ebook or a PDF, and those are stories about Maharaji, mostly from the Indian people. Sure. And the stories are unbelievable, man. Tell us one. Is there one that? There's just, one that just kills me. Yeah, tell me that one. I want to know. I mean, they all kill me, but. So one day Maharaji was visiting one of his devotees, this old man in some town. And the old man's granddaughter was eight years old at that time. And she came running into the house crying. She had been at a neighbor's house and she saw someone who died for Mm. the first time, this eight-year-old girl. She came running to the house crying, and she came up to Maharaji, and she's crying, and Maharaji's petting her on the head. And he said, It'll be, it's okay, it's okay. Tell me what you want. Tell me anything. Ask me anything. Tell me, what do you want? What do you want? I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Tell me. So this eight-year-old girl, eight-year-old girl looks at Maharaji, and she says, Baba, when I die, bring me back to life. Mm. Maharaji. Maharaji didn't say anything. He just petted her on the head and she ran away. Mm. Okay. Now, many years have passed. Many years have passed. The woman has grown. She has children of her own. The grandfather has died. They've had no touch. They haven't been in touch with Maharaji for many years. It's got to be, I don't know exactly, but it's got to be 30 years, right? 25, 30 years. Her father, 
lives in another town and has another guru. So the woman's husband, who, who that eight-year-old girl is now grown, her husband calls her father, his father-in-law, and says, you know, she's dying. She's, she's very, very, she's dying, and I don't know what to do, you know. Uh, and so the father goes to his guru, and he says, Guruji, you know, please, my daughter's dying. Please, can you save her? And the guru says to him, I can't do that. Only Neem Karoli Baba can do that. You pray to him. Neem Karoli Baba is Maharaji. You pray to him. You pray to him. So the father, you know, he's somewhere else in, in India, you know, and his daughter's somewhere else in India, and nobody knows where Maharaji is. So he prays, Baba, please take care of my daughter. Okay. Back at the woman's house, a knock on the door. The husband goes to the door, opens the door, and sees this bulky gentleman wrapped in a blanket who says to him, your wife is ill, take me to her. And he says, no, sir, she's died now. Nay, she's not dead, take me to her. So the husband takes this man into the room where the, his wife is lying dead. And he says to her, the husband, she's not dead. Do you have any grapes in the house? Bring me some grapes and a spoon. The husband goes and brings some grapes. And this man takes some grapes, puts them in the spoon, and squeezes the juice into her mouth as she's lying there dead. Mm. And then he says to the husband, everything will be okay. She's okay now. And he leaves. And in a few minutes, the woman starts to breathe, and she sits up, and she lived for many years. That was Maharaji. He promised the eight-year-old girl. He promised her 30 years ago mm. that he would bring her back to life. She asked, he promised. Nobody had to remind him, no telegrams, no telephones. He promised this girl who's now an old woman sick. And he did it. He showed up and he did what he said he was going to do. Now, I know he can bring people back to life. He could do anything. He could turn the earth around if he wanted to go the other way. Not that It's not that he could, that he would. The difference is huge. He could do it like this, but that he would honor his promise to an eight-year-old girl. Mm. Unbelievable. And he was doing this all day long, man, every day for everyone he met. Every day. This is all he was here for. Wow. Wow. That's all he is here for. Do not let me use the past tense. Mm. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's just changed his shape. Mm. And he's just a little bit harder to see. <laughs> but still alive still alive i feel him sure. as you i feel i feel him as you're speaking you know? so thank you for sharing the, the stories it's 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 profound there's so many stories in there they're really so beautiful profound yeah. final question um you shared you shared so much so generously kb so thank you um if you were to reflect on all of your life decades of experience um ups and downs everything you've been through and maybe just to distill the three most important lessons you feel you've learned in this lifetime 
uh, that if you could only pass these three lessons to the next generation that you feel would evolve them or evolve their consciousness the most, like this is the three I'm gifting the next generation, my three, my three uh, soul life lessons. I'm curious what the three would be. I don't know, you know, I don't know if there's three things to say, but <laughs> all I would say is that, you know, give it your best shot. Mm. You do not want to be, as your last breath is going out, thinking, ah, oh, shit, if, if I had only, mm. if I had only tried hard, if I had only been a better person, if I had only given more, if I had only shown more love to people, if I'd only been kinder to myself, if I didn't be such, you know, you don't want, you want to give it your best shot while you can. And whatever happens, happens, but you want to live 100% mm. if you can. It's not easy. Mm. So for me, and I'm not saying for anybody else, but for me, the chanting has been the key to me being able to uh, inhabit my life more fully you know and and not that i don't have so many regrets about things i've said and done and didn't do and should have done all that stuff but even so you got to find some way to really give it your best shot whatever that means to you it can mean it will mean a different thing for everybody and it might change every day or every week or every month or every year but the idea, what are you giving it your best shot? So, beautiful, you know, becoming doing the best you can, whatever simple, that means. Simple, but you know, if we really, really take that to heart, man, it yeah. uh, it changes a lot. Changes a lot. Thank you, honestly. Yeah, my, uh, thank you. You know, if you didn't ask the questions, I'd just be sitting here like a lump. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe chanting. <laughs> but, uh, you never know. <laughs> but seriously, thank you for coming on. Thank you for your thank share, you. sharing your gift with the world. Thank you for sharing your gift on on, on this podcast. Uh, what's the best way people can can just connect with you? Your work. Your you said your <clears> Thursday <throat> Thursday uh, kirtans. Yeah, everything's on my website krishnadas.com. Uh, there's all the events are listed there and all the information more than you ever want to know about me uh, and and the different podcasts and the videos and the whatever it's all up there the different events that we do and we'll be doing and everything's listed awesome. uh, and that book that download of that book divine reality is on there free totally free uh, and Thursday nights is also free uh, Every couple of weeks we do like what I call a chai and chat where we hang out on Zoom together uh, nice. and people ask questions and we just hang out for a couple of hours every other week nice. Nice. Uh, or so. So it's all up there and you're all invited whenever. Awesome. I'll join you on a chai and chat one day. Okay. Uh, Is that a threat or a promise? A promise. <laughs> I'll join you. Come hang out. I'd love to. Okay. Very, I'd very love, good. love to. And, and any plans for when when you return live uh, back to the world? Just so you know, it all depends ourselves? on it all depends on how the virus goes. I don't know when. I can't even imagine right now when 
there will be people who want to be in a room of a thousand people breathing hard and chanting together. I, I, I can't imagine it's going to be very soon, but you know, maybe by the, towards the end of the summer, after everybody yes. has an opportunity to be vaccinated, maybe by next fall, we're ready to go whenever it opens up for sure. Awesome. So, awesome. Awesome. Uh, that's all I know. I, I can't wait to attend and I can't wait to, to see you again live and hopefully I get to give you a big hug in person. I hope so too. Looking forward to meeting you. So, thank you so much, folks. I said this was going to be an amazing interview. <laughs> thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, it's beautiful. Remember, no matter what, give it your best shot. We have one life, live with no regrets. And so send me an email, coopblackson at coopblackson.com. Let me know your key takeaways from today's episode, everybody. And please share this, uh, this week's episode with everyone you love. Post on Instagram, social media, all of that good stuff. And uh, check out Krishna Das's uh, info, krishnadas.com. Thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly. Uh, and if you haven't checked out his kirtan, his chanting CDs, they're truly special and amazing. Thank you, Thank KD. You. Blessing. Okay. Much love, everybody. Um, Bless you. Be well. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.